friends, and welcome to another episode of Fully Booked. I'm Megan. And I'm Shireen. And today, continuing on with our theme of American Lit for the month of May. Are we in May right now? Yeah, we are. <laughs> can you tell all this is... What year is it? Can you tell all of this is pre-recorded? Um, <laughs> we're going to be talking... We're just going to be having a chat today about themes in American Lit. So just, you know, what we find like some of the defining themes of American literature are. And the recurring ones that you oh, can yeah. see pretty much throughout a lot of, Amer- like, any American American literature that you might read. Yeah, that's it. You know, a little bit of comparison probably between American and Brit- mm-hmm. British literature a little bit as well. So we're going to kind of dive into it in more detail. Uh, but before we do that, Shireen, what's on your nightstand this week? What are you reading? Well, I'm currently flip-flopping between the garbage that is uh, Gabriel's Rapture. Oh, fuck. God. <laughs> I'm the second book. I'm on the second book. I think I'm about to tap out of this shit show, though, because um, (laughs) there's only so much one person can take. Of garbage (laughs) romance? Yeah, no, I feel like eventually someone's got to just, you got to put the book down. What's really sad, though, is that I only started reading these because we needed to know what was going to happen next in the story, and I don't even know if I'm going to manage to make it there because it's just so bad. I need to, uh, it's going to be so hard to. try to power through, but Jesus. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. Other movies will be made eventually. Unfortunately. And then we'll just kind of figure out. I don't know. You've helped me out so far with these stories, but yeah. um, we're going to have some more discussions about Gabriel's rapture, I'm sure, at some point or another. In one of our bonus episodes. Oh, for sure. As soon as we drop those, I'll plug them a little bit more, too. Um, I am currently just starting um, Manhunt, which is... A newer book that was published this year. It's basically like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a dystopian kind of story where the world has changed because years back, several years ago now, I think it's five years, there was a an illness that came into came to fruition that only affected men and create they turned them into like feral animals, basically. God, they make a lot of these books. Yeah, but it's like a weird, it's like a weird thing. It's only affected men, so basically women have been running away from them and killing them this whole time. But what has happened is that the couple of characters that we're following, that I'm following so far, are trans. Mm. And they obviously were they were not they had not transitioned by the time this started so Mm -hmm. they have the potential to turn into these horrible feral creatures um but they have to I can't even I can't even get into what they have to do in order to not do that because it involves eating part of the men that they kill and it's so much this is not up my street you sent me the description of this earlier this year did I yes you're the reason that I bought it in the first place I have a feeling it's going to be a lot of fun but I am interested in it because you never think of things like this what would happen to people if something (laughs) insane like this happened and someone was in the middle of doing something like transitioning potentially and what that would mean um yeah it's a little crazy so far but I'm very curious to see where it goes (laughs) yeah I think I sent you the description to be like here you read this and tell me what it's about oh definitely yeah yeah you were like I'm never gonna read this so it's for you (laughs) awesome All right, but let's not really, you know, we don't have anything else to talk about, so let's get into it. Let's talk about some American lit themes, shall we? Sounds good. So the first theme that we've identified in our list, and this is by no means exhaustive, there are many, many different 
it would take you could probably do an episode about each individual theme specifically where it's represented what it is what it means and really do like a deep dive Uh, but I don't have the energy for that so we're not we're just gonna (laughs) smush a few of them into one episode we're we're gonna go through the biggest ones and so the first one is um the American dream so this this idea of a white picket fence and you know the American dream, this this whole notion, it's not only found in American literature. Like, if you turn on the news and you watch anything uh, happening in the U.S., or you go to America and you watch commercials on TV, or you look around, yeah, the American dream is still very much part of their culture. Um, and I think that as we evolve as society and we're becoming more vocal about the social issues and socioeconomic issues... You know, you wonder if it's always been a bit of a lie, this American dream. And so it's, you know, this notion that anybody can make it. Yeah. And, you know, you think about England in contrast, because a lot of American literature is like a direct contrast to British literature. Yeah, having similar, both similarities and opposites to a certain extent. Yeah, and like if you go to England and you you look around, classism is stere- very much still alive and well. And, oh, for sure. And it, all, and it has been forever. And, you know, there is a notion over there that everybody has their place and, you know, only X people can make it to the top yeah but in the u.s that is not the case everybody can make it look at their presidents look at who met who made it to become president even recently oh, you know um anyone can become anything and so this is um something that they strive for and it is very prominent in american literature yeah and i do find that um what happens in literary forms and in like other media as well, like film and things like that. Um, what often happens with the theme of the American dream is that it's, you know, it's always presented the people who are being affected by it are either searching for it. They would like Mm -hmm. to achieve it or they have achieved it. And oftentimes what happens is that it's either discovered or it becomes that, Hey, it turns out the American dream is not really all that great Mm -hmm. and that it doesn't really look that good or it only works really for a certain type of person Mm -hmm. specifically. And you know, how, in a lot of cases as well, that sort of dream and things that's pushed and only pushed towards and mostly attainable for people who are like not people of color. So mostly for, you know, white people and things and how that's people and how it's really presented for that sort of that percentage of the population. Everybody else, no, out on the fringes, like it's Mm -hmm. not really for you. Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, I say that it is like the, the lie because it's not real. It's not for everyone. No. And even going back to my earlier point about their most recent president, mm-hmm. um, he didn't come from nothing, even though he pretends he did. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you yeah. know, you look at all these, the ones who have made it, and, and it is prominent in literature. Anyone who makes it, they are from a certain background. Yeah. And if they're not from that background, there are so many books that do such a great job of portraying how it isn't for everyone yeah or like that the people who didn't have a leg up already are searching for it Mm -hmm. but are almost never able to achieve that Mm -hmm. you know so if you look at something like the grapes of wrath you know you've got families like depression era families you know 
traveling cross country to be like, oh, it'll be better when we get there. That's where that whole grass is greener on the other side thing comes from. But, you know, it's like slowly a realization happens where they're like, oh, it's not actually that great Mm -hmm. over here Mm -hmm. either. And, you know, you had to deal with so much to get here in the first place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, our favorite, the great Gatsby. Yeah. You he is reaching for that green light every night on that dock. What that, he believes will be his ideal yeah. life. Yeah. And if he can just reach that green light, then yeah. he will have made it. And I think that that really is, you know, again, those books where they explore reaching the American dream. It's always just out of reach. Yeah. And when they do, like you said, in the Grapes of Wrath, when they do get there, it's not that great. It's not that great. That's it. And that's, and, um, you know, you have other certain works like Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison, which are, which show things from the other perspective of, you know, a black man trying to find these opportunities, being given these opportunities sort of to succeed, but always with a caveat of, oh, you have to work extra hard though. You have to do this extra thing, this like horrible, you know, thing that like the white people would never have to do this. And even Mm -hmm. when you are given something, you're never given as much as they are. Mm -hmm. And all the people who are succeeding around him are obviously white people versus, you know, his struggle is, is a lot worse because Mm -hmm. it's just, presented in a way where that's it they're just not really given the opportunity it's like a fake opportunity oh no anybody can do it anybody can Mm -hmm. achieve this but we're not going to help you do it though Mm -hmm. you don't deserve to be able Mm -hmm. to to achieve what you want to achieve Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you even look at you know much older works of uh, literature like um you know frederick Douglass. this was he was essentially um passed on to this family that were wealthy and they lived in New York because of who his father was. Yes, you know? exactly. Yeah, that he was able to, he was more easily able to get out of that situation and even given the opportunity to speak out about yeah. it simply because... Um, he was he was a bit more educated as well. Yeah. And he was given, like, all of these pieces led up to the fact that um, he wasn't actually favored by um, the other slaves because he... Um, he just didn't have the same background as them. As they did. Yeah, that's it. So it like wasn't, you know, it wasn't comparable in a way. Um, yeah, and then I think you get into the idea of even, you know, some of the, some books like um, Revolutionary Road and mm. things where, you know, you have a couple who who you follow over years and years who have achieved the American dream, quote unquote, or what it could be, you know, white picket fence and a happy life, et cetera, et cetera, what should be the perfect life, but that gradually falls apart mm-hmm. over a period of time. That is also something that I think a lot of American literature sort of posits as well, that like you might think that this is a good idea, but it does not necessarily mean that it's right for you or it will work for you. Mm-hmm. And then of course, you know, some honorable mentions, um, if you want to Read more about the American dream. Uh, we mentioned a few Revolutionary Road, The Great Gatsby. Yeah. Um, there's On the Road by Jack Kerouac. Yeah, Jack Kerouac is another one as well who sort of tried to circumvent that by being like, you know, like very much like that, like kind of hipster lifestyle before hipsters were really a thing. Mm-hmm. He really like put forth that sort of movement of like just going off on your own. Right. And like not being interested and that's it following that like go get a job, get married, nine to five kind yeah. of lifestyle. He was very against that. And then of course you've got um 
Death of a Salesman by Arthur Miller. Oh, Lord, that play is boring. God, I can't do that one. <laughs> uh, of Mice and Men by Steinbeck. Yes. Oh, my God. Of Mice and Men is so good. Yes. And as we mentioned, The Grapes of Wrath. Yeah. Our second one anyway, or at least I think my favorite of all of them are sort of your coming of age stories and also within that loss of innocence Mm. stories which I feel is almost like one overarching category Mm. together like that kind of it all makes up one sub theme of American literature coming of age loss of innocence you know just when generally speaking from the perspective of younger characters who are growing up and realizing what the world around them is really like Mm. whether they've been sheltered or not Mm -hmm. just experiencing things outside of their usual wheelhouse Mm -hmm. and in so you know realizing I guess what the world is really like and a lot of the times it is more on the negative side of things you Mm -hmm. can have like certain positives like I think um sort of like uh Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn has like a bit more of like a fun adventure vibe Mm -hmm. to it Mm -hmm. (laughs) to a certain extent so it's a bit different but if you get into something um like To Kill a Mockingbird you know her sort of growing up and I guess you know really realizing when you're a kid like you know sometimes like not understanding especially I'm sure in the south and what's it's meant to be like the 30s or something in To Kill a Mockingbird I don't remember the 20s or 30s or 30s yeah that's it growing up in a small area in the south experiencing you know racism that's not directed at her oh she just doesn't understand it does she yeah she thinks that her father is this hero who can save anyone yeah that's Um, it that's That's, how she sees him that's her loss of innocence storyline within that scout is that she has to come to terms with the fact that that's it her dad can't do everything for everyone yeah and you know how she doesn't understand the prejudice towards this man um who's on trial um and she just assumes that her dad can fix it and that if he is not guilty that he will be set free which is you know the way that things should work because if you're not guilty then you should be set free but the the number there are reasons that there are reasons that you know organizations like the innocence project exist Mm -hmm. and things because they're constantly working to have sentences overturned for people who are wrongfully imprisoned and a lot of the time that does happen to people of color as well because they're marginalized and treated as though they would i don't know automatically be guilty of a crime which is absurd but there it is there it is so yeah so to kill a mockingbird is probably like a good example of that um the outsiders is a good example it takes things in kind of a different in a different direction Mm -hmm. it's not focused on race so much as it's focused on class right you know and sort of a division a class division within young people and the effect that that can have on people's attitudes um, the way that they handle a situation you know all the different characters have all these different reactions to I think everything that happens throughout the course of the story and of course most notably you know that understanding of the sacrifices that have to be made yeah as you get older which are kind of taken for granted when you're younger and that's something that I think you know a lot of people go through when they're young you know when you're a young teenager and stuff like that you're not like I don't think most people most people were pretty selfish at a certain Mm. point in our lives I don't think most people spend their time being like my parents work really hard and everything (laughs) all the time or my siblings or whoever it is who Mm -hmm. you know helps you takes care of you whatever the situation is most of us at some point or another go through a phase where we're pretty fucking selfish Mm -hmm. and we just spend our time being like oh 
no, I don't understand why this person needs me to do this so badly. Why does mom (laughs) want me to do this? Why does dad need me to do that? And it's just, you know, you go through this horrible phase and the older you get, the more you're like, oh my God, why was I like this? Why didn't I appreciate everything that these people were doing for me? And I think that The Outsiders is a good example of this and just being empathetic to those around you and understanding what they're going through versus um, your reality. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that comes up a lot yeah. anyway. And I think it's something that actually continues. Yeah. That's it. Even into more modern mm. American lit, like sort of like now, like, you know, in the last, mm. even in the last like decade, that's mm. something that you still see all the time. Um, what did I, yeah. I, so I only read where the crawdads sing last year. Mm-hmm. Um, also the trailer for the movie just came out. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do like a bonus episode oh, about yeah. that. We're going to go watch it and we're going totally. <laughs> to, we're going to do a bonus episode about it. Cause I'm interested because the book was really good. It's another really good example of, a person that's it, you know, sort of in the South being marginalized mm-hmm. and treated differently because of the way that she was raised or right. not really raised and grows up and things. Um, and even, you know, some more recent stories, um, now, you know, we're getting into more stories that have to do with, um, not necessarily just race or class, but, um, sexual orientation, gender identity. That's something that also comes into play. There's this, um, a book called Middlesex by Jeffrey Eugenides, Mm. um, that I think won a Pulitzer Prize that he wrote. It took him like a very long time to write this book regarding that's it's sort of the entire, I guess, journey of, um, a trans man Mm. basically, um, throughout the course of his life from like, you know, kind of being born, realizing Mm. going through everything to get to the point that he does, Mm. um, that, yeah, that is really focused on that. And that's something as well that, you know, there are, it sort of dives into the idea that, you know, not only will you be judged by society, but also, you know, by your family who Mm -hmm. won't necessarily understand Mm -hmm. this issue, um, as well as they should. And I think that that's something that's, you know, coming out into the open a little bit more now Mm -hmm. and that people are, um, more open Mm -hmm. to discussing Mm -hmm. now and more open to reading about now and Mm -hmm. things. But yeah, there would have been a period of time where it would have just been considered, um, taboo. Yeah, and I think that there's something to be said about, you know, looking at our theme of the American dream and these coming of age or loss of innocence uh, stories, sometimes one feeds into the other, right? Yeah. And and it's important to remember that a lot of the mentality and the, um, you know, whatever the behaviors that you see in these books, it is because there is a belief of one thing that when the reality hits you, it's just not quite the same. Yeah. Um, And so I think that a lot of authors in American literature really like to explore this, this change, you know, this, Mm -hmm. we thought one thing, but it's actually something else. And it is worse than what I thought, but you know what? There is still something positive to be found. Yeah. There is a lot of American literature that's written with a certain amount of melancholy to it where, Mm -hmm. you know, there are a lot of negatives, but there tends to be a a slightly more hopeful ending. Not in every case. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, cause you definitely have some that are just (laughs) that are rough to get through. But I do find that there's a bit of a difference that way. Cause like English lit does Mm. tend to be a little bit more doom and gloom, particularly if you look at older classics, I don't know about now as much more modern literature, probably not as frequently, but, um, older 
older literature, um, English lit tends to be that way where it's very much like, you know, oh, and then this person got consumption and died. Like, and then the book right. ends and, and you're like, no, oh. And there's no like resolution. There's no like nice tie of the loop in no. the end where you feel like people may have lived happily ever yeah. after somehow. <laughs> Found a way to overcome whatever no. it is. <laughs> no, they're just all kind of miserable. Yeah, um, that's it. It makes uh, it makes a difference. <laughs> so that's have? that's definitely one of my... I think that's one of my favorites. I don't know what it is. Coming of age stories. I think everybody can relate to them because we've all been through, you know, adolescence and things at some point or another. Mm -hmm. And I think that that makes a difference. It absolutely does. And you know, that's why there's so much, you know, young adult literature that exists. Yeah, that's it. This is, I think even adults, you know, we like to read young adult literature because we're like, let me see some coming of age stories. Let me see if I got it right. Yeah. And just like, you know, and even whether they're negative or they're even just fun, more positive ones, you know, when you're, when you have other responsibilities and other things going on, you can't help but being like, oh, remember when things were easier? Yeah. <laughs> that was mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, what were, what we found, I guess, stood out the most to us when we were looking into things a little bit more was there's a lot essentially yeah American lit has a lot of commentary and I think we've we've already started talking about this societal commentary so Mm. whether you know it be like you know sort of class divisions racial Mm. divisions uh, gender divisions Mm. whatever you know whatever the case might be but there's a lot of just even social commentary about the way that like the infrastructure works where Mm. I find English lit Mm. there's a lot of commentary criticism whatever you'd like to call it about like religion Mm. and the monarchy Mm. um since you know america doesn't have a monarch right Mm -hmm. they tend to focus more on like the government Mm. or even just the way that like certain parts of society run and Mm. are run so even if you look at like American Psycho Mm. it's you know a lot of a commentary about like wall street Mm. and about like you know rich people sort of like you know getting away with whatever they want to get away with you know he spends the entire novel like kind of like you know being insane yeah but like murdering people and getting away and telling people about it and they're all like "Uh uh-huh okay sure you did sure you killed Paul Allen all right no problem and they just kind of you know keep rolling with that actually I found when I read the book like the movie's very good Mm -hmm. we should do that at some point Mm -hmm. (laughs) the movie's really good but (laughs) I found when I read the book it um I think maybe the descriptions, maybe there was something more visceral about it, but it disturbed me a lot more than the movie did. Well, it was probably because you could you could hear what he was thinking. And I think so. Yeah, intent, there was. Yeah, it was a lot was more less... troublesome. I was like, oh my god, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another one is um, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah. Uh, so this one, they made it into a movie with Jack Nicholson, and. Um, I really believe that the book was a lot better, and this is not hot an ep- take. This is not a, an episode of the book was better, but uh, this one was, um, and this one really does explore kind of what happens to individuals when they are deemed uh, mentally unwell. Yes, and particularly like it still happens now. Yeah. Um, but particularly at this time, was it supposed to be the fifties or the sixties? Yeah. I believe mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, that's it. Just. What, how mental health was treated and mm-hmm. sometimes still is treated. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's it's this man who goes into this mental institution after being... Um, oh, oh, he was convicted. Convicted, thank yes. you. He was convicted of statutory rape um, and they put him in a mental institution. And, you know, the thing was, like, 
I'm pretty sure that he thought that the girl was older than she was, um, and there was only a couple of years difference between the two of yeah. them. Yeah, because isn't, I forget, isn't he like barely 20 and she he's was very like maybe young. 16 or 17 yes. or something? And he's very young. And, and he it's comes not justifiable, in. obviously. Obviously not. We're not saying that, but you know, he comes in like this ball of fun who's trying to shake things up and try and make the rest of them feel better about what's happening. Um, and he just gets targeted. It's all, it's also really strange to me, and I don't know if you agree or not, but it's also really odd to me that like he's convicted of statutory rape mm. and sentenced to a mental mm. institution for that, which is odd. I feel like there was some justification in the book about it. I don't um, remember. It's been a really long time since I've read it. It's been a little while, but um, you know, it is definitely worth a read, and it just is kind of like this broader um, view of what happens to someone when they're deemed mentally unwell. Yeah. They go in and he tried to make things better for the other inmates or they're not even inmates. Patients. Patients. Yeah. <laughs> I apologize. Cause, see, cause you think you're like, why isn't he just in prison? Exactly. Then? I don't know. Um, the other patients and he gets targeted and ultimately, you know, they really do mess with his brain big time yeah. and to the point where he is, he's not there anymore. He doesn't exist anymore. No, he's so like a big is, old vegetable just sitting there. Uh, and it's just like, you know, an illustration of, of like, the society or the government and you know kind of that overarching theme of if you let the government have too much power it's a broken yeah it's a broken system where you know you're like instead of trying to do something if this man really did have you know this mental instability instead of trying to work with him heal him you know Mm -hmm. you perform these like ridiculous treatments and things on them and for some reason are perfectly willing to just allow a person who could have been integrated back into society, mm-hmm. let them just sit there for the rest of their lives and not be able to right. do anything to contribute to better themselves. When he was totally fine to begin with. Yeah. I it's mean, a weird again, choice. I need to reread the book. Judgment. I need to reread the book. It's a weird choice mm-hmm. because I don't, because to me now I believe that a statutory rape charge means that you go to prison. As far as I'm aware, that's how that I'm works. Aware. Internet sleuths. <laughs> yeah. Help us out. But I'm pretty sure that that's how that works. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's always, there's, there ten. it's like almost subtle the way that it's done in a lot of stories like this, but there is sort of, yeah, it's this general commentary regarding society as a whole, mm-hmm. how people are treated medically, how people are treated financially. Um, the crucible is a great, Oh, the crucible. Yeah. Yeah. Just total, you um, know, they're women and they have a mind of their own. Therefore they must be witches. Yeah. That's it. And because one person says something, Mm -hmm. everyone, you know, it just like a domino effect Mm -hmm. really of what happens to these people. And in that case too, I find it's, you know, it's really sad because obviously this is, was heavily researched and very based obviously mm-hmm. on the Salem witch trials themselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all of these, these, what is it? 12 people who mm-hmm. were killed mm-hmm. for absolutely no, no reason. reason. These people who were just persecuted, including two men. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's it for simply voicing their disapproval or just being, Not having, having the wrong to, relationships yeah. with the wrong people, probably making a few people mad mm-hmm. in town who then were like, oh, 
that bitch is definitely a witch. Like, no. <laughs> well, it was just, you know, an easy way of getting rid of somebody that you didn't want around anymore, right? Yeah, can you imagine? And it's, witch. you know, and we say like, oh, it was in the 1600s. It was a long time ago. Yeah, satanic panic was in the 80s and 90s and mm-hmm. people were improperly persecuted mm-hmm. for that as well. Mm-hmm. Are there any people who are into like true crime at all who know of the case of like the West Memphis Three mm-hmm. who were charged and convicted in the early 90s of mm-hmm. killing three boys in Arkansas? Right. Uh, they spent with no evidence whatsoever they were just weird they were goth they liked heavy metal music they watched horror movies they were convicted and imprisoned for 18 years and then finally managed to um be released once there was like a lot of widespread thank god hbo decided to make like a three-part documentary series about them Mm. several years apart um it's wonderful Mm. but just getting that kind of national attention on it i think is what really helped um people advocate mm. for their release because if not they would still be sitting there and they wouldn't have been going anywhere actually in fact one of them was on death row he probably would have been executed by that now is shocking yeah it's um. just it's just absurd but it's something that still happens mm-hmm. and people are still in prison i'm sure everywhere for crimes that they haven't committed 100 so. percent. you know i mean modern days let's cry terrorist right yeah um, then it was Let's Cry Witch. Um, the Crucible actually was written um, as a, I guess, a, a reflection of McCarthyism. Um, oh, yeah, that's true. Arthur yeah. Miller was mm-hmm. very against He was that. very against McCarthyism. Yeah. And so, you know, if you look at, at what was happening then, and, and it continues to happen now, you know, a lot of these pieces... And one thing I do love about American literature is they do... It does call out, you know, the government or the the whatever has been implemented they like to explore it and push it and have a metaphor about it just to show um how unacceptable some of these pieces are yeah much more so than um any like news outlet ever will you know absolutely you know it's like the anti-propaganda machine is kind your, of is just is through literature through literature through filmmaking in some cases through art and expression and media basically mm-hmm. those are those are the people who i think are pushing the hardest for yeah. that so our final theme um and again like you could argue that all of these themes fit together they do well because the vast majority even of the books that we've mentioned in every other book in yeah. american lit um ha- sort of kind of crosses over one with another as well it's not like you're like oh this book is just about the american dream this book is just coming of age no no absolutely not you look at something like the outsiders where yes it's very much to do with coming of age and loss of innocence but they also keep talking about how much they just want to move to the country and not have to be divided the way that they are anymore so they're searching for their own american dream like there's just a lot that you can and it's you know again a commentary on how there's a rich and a poor and a this and a that you know so anyway our final uh theme that we're talking about today is search for identity another Um, one that's in just everything (laughs) everything and again if you do a comparison of american literature versus british literature you know you have to remember that America is the new world, right? Yeah, Britain's been around for a lot longer. <laughs> yeah, and so status quo in Britain is pretty uh, forged in steel, I would say. Yeah. Um, which is why there's, especially in, you know, like older American literature, uh, this theme comes up so frequently um, because authors basically said, we have this new world that we live in and 
with big changes happening at almost an accelerated rate yeah. to uh, what was happening in Britain because, again, it was a much older it had, nation. It had been there for longer. The <laughs> The status quo was established at that point. It wasn't the same thing. You know, these, like, you know, people coming into a, a new world, quote-unquote, exactly. even though people already lived there. Exactly. Coming into white people coming into a new world anyway and... <laughs> creating their own opportunities. And creating their own opportunities. And then, you know, even... Uh, decades and centuries after that sort of still establishing um, a hierarchy and a general way of life Mm -hmm. and stuff. And of course, obviously what brought a lot of people over as well was the idea of a different sort of opportunity than what they were experiencing riches, in Europe. Riches that they wouldn't have had the chance of acquiring exactly. if they had stayed. Right? Exactly. Like they took that risk uh, and they went. Yeah. And so you look at older American literature, but even still today is this search for identity. Um, and so if you look at, um, you know, all the way back to like Ralph Waldo Emerson. Oh, yeah. Starting from him, it's this whole hope of this new world Mm -hmm. but there was this moment of are we just going to reestablish the status quo that we came from from britain yeah or are we going to um reinvent ourselves yeah you know and this is this is a question that comes up in a lot of american literature um you see it in poe a lot edgar Allan poe uh one of the most notable ones is uh the fall of the house of usher yeah um that was written during a time of um industrialization yeah urbanization and again this moving away from the country and moving into cities Mm -hmm. which happened at an accelerated rate yeah and cities are where you have the opportunity and everything because yes it's true if you look at the old the old style Mm -hmm. um even in europe Mm -hmm. you know particularly in england or in other places around there Mm -hmm. um a lot of people you know they would be like oh yes well you know our family home is out in the boonies, mm-hmm. out in the country, mm-hmm. and we only come to London, let's say, for work. And mm-hmm. it, ironically, it was the poorer population who just lived in the city year-round because yep. they were the working class. They right. were the people who had to be working all the time in mm-hmm. order to make ends meet, whereas the wealthier families, literally, they do this in Bridgerton. <laughs> they come to London for the season and then they to go find to husbands country. and shit, and then they go back to... Um, wherever else I don't know where people lived at the time but wherever else they would go to away from the city further out in the country Mm -hmm. um to their whatever their large family home was Mm -hmm. and manor somewhere yeah that's it and everybody else just stayed in the city because they didn't they couldn't afford to have two different homes let alone not be working at all for the rest of the year so absolutely not and so you know this this came up a lot in Edgar Allan Poe um and it just continues to appear um you know, this, this whole, who are we as yeah. a nation? Where do we fit? And, and this is where this idea of the American dream came from, I believe. You I know, think so. This whole, like, we have this new world. We have this opportunity to reinvent ourselves. So let's go with this notion of hope of, you know, anything is possible. Kind yeah. Of. Because even as late as, you know, as late as like the 50s and 60s, maybe before things started shifting ever so slightly, you know, ironically, the American dream was something that was still sort of like that as Mm -hmm. well, right? You know, you would have husband and wife with their kids. They live in the suburbs. Mm -hmm. They don't live in the city. The city's gross, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. But husband works in the city. He just gets up, puts a suit on, goes into the city every Mm -hmm. day, madmans it up, Mm -hmm. and then comes home. Everybody lives outside of the city. No one who is married, who's 
proper lives in the city. No white picket fences in the city. No, that's it. You need your big house with your big backyard and everything. So a lot of people, you know, I find, I think that's a little bit becoming a little bit different now. You know, a lot Mm -hmm. of people live, people can't afford a house anymore. First of all, the market's (laughs) bananas. Um, So a lot of people live, you know, in the city, in a smaller place. People like the convenience of being closer to work as well. Not having to, you know, with population density being what it is in a lot of major cities, nobody wants to sit in traffic for two hours either way every day. Also, people want to be closer to their amenities, you know. Absolutely. They want to be closer to shops. They want to be closer to their friends, to um, restaurants. You know, these are pieces that weren't really prominent in the 50s when really all you wanted was... Your husband, your wife, your two and a half children, which I believe is, you know, the American dream, the white picket. Yeah, it's the 2.5 kids or whatever it is. 2.5 kids and your dog, you know, um, because if your husband's working all day, then he comes home to a home-cooked meal. To a home meal and stuff. Yeah, that's it. Uh, Going out is like a special occasion. You don't just get takeout on the way home. Like that wasn't something that people would do. The wife would, you know, make the food basically because she was at home not working. Mm -hmm. Um... I wonder, there's a part of me that wonders if things are going to shift a little bit more that way now because a lot of people are continuing to work remotely Mm. and, you know, you almost have to wonder if that's going to be something that will change a little bit where, you know, you'll notice, um, more outlying areas, they will have their population grow. The population in large cities will shrink Mm -hmm. a little bit, which has happened in a lot of different places. You know, like Mm -hmm. the population has shrunk over the last couple of years in the cities, partially because of costs Mm -hmm. and also because people are realizing, oh, well, you know, I lived in the city because it was easy to get to work, but now my work is fully remote and will be forever. So if I would like to choose to, you know, be able to afford a bigger place, mm-hmm. I will move further away from the city without right. an issue. Right. So that'll be an interesting to, thing to see in maybe like 10 years, yeah. like just to get an idea of kind of like where we're at mm-hmm. and how that's working for everybody. Yeah. I don't know. Cause like you said, the market is bananas. Everything is and especially in this post-pandemic world, it just feels like everything's a little bit uncertain. Yeah. And so I wonder if we're going to start seeing these themes become a bit stronger again in new and emerging literature. It's possible. You know, this, again, this search for identity. And I think it comes in cycles. Every time there's something big that happens, mm-hmm. you know, industrialization, urbanization, um, the pandemic, the global pandemic will, you you know, know, that will create a shift in, uh, our commentary of what's happening. And so I am looking forward to see what happens, you know, are these themes going to come back or are we going to stop using these themes? Or are we going to, are we going to even sort of, I guess, take that extra step towards, you know, you were, we were talking when we were talking about search for identity, Mm -hmm. um, like yesterday, you know, we were talking about the idea of, um, like dystopian fiction being something that ties into that really well as well. You know, that you just have like these dystopian worlds where they have like really a really different set of ideals or really different like day to day working. Yep. Um, and just like, you know, are we going to take a step a little bit closer towards that (laughs) or are we going to go in like a completely different direction? I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to say. But yes, dystopian fiction, also a very big one in in American literature because of that new world, this identity, this finding the identity of self and trying to, and getting it wrong is really what, you know, a lot of the themes are is if I explore my new identity in this new world, 
and we get it wrong, what happens? What does that mean? And then you have this whole, you know, layout of a very dystopian society where nothing really works very well except for the people who are in power. Yeah, except for the people at the top, which is, you know, kind of (laughs) on brand for life. But, you know, still, (laughs) let's hope it doesn't get there. So those are our themes for American literature. We want to know what you guys think of it, though. Um, you know, do you have other themes? Have we forgotten things? Of course, we've forgotten things. Um, mm-hmm. Let us know what you guys think of all of it over on Instagram at FullyBookedCA. You can also join our Facebook group at Facebook.com slash groups slash book was way better. Or you can check out everything else that we're covering for American Literature Month over at FullyBooked.ca. But until next week, uh, keep on reading. Thanks, folks.